If you're an occupational therapist looking to develop your skills in hand therapy, this podcast is for you. Your host, Huang Tron, occupational therapist and certified hand therapist turned serial entrepreneur with her own therapy clinic in Miami. Huang is an author and successful coach helping occupational therapists get jobs, develop their skills, and become certified hand therapists so they can become experts in their area. Huang works with occupational therapists from across the United States and around the world. She talks about everything from hand therapy skills, career development, leadership skills, money mindset, and business. You too can become an expert certified hand therapist, business owner, and have more choices in your career. Subscribe now. I am going through, you know, I was trying to use my computer and Instagram's not that friendly on the computer. <laughs> so that wasn't working out. I wanted to go and write out some questions for you guys. I'm gonna start off with a few questions about custom fitted orthosis. And somebody had actually emailed me about custom fitted orthosis and it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I know this question might be basic. And I'm like, in my mind, I haven't responded yet, but in my mind, I'm thinking there are no basic questions when it comes to making custom fitted orthosis because I believe that making custom fitted orthosis is a specialty. It really is. You get, how much time do you get to practice at school? You know, really the most important thing is you're learning the foundations, you're learning the, you know, what is it, the um, general knowledge about, and you're getting to feel it and to touch it and stuff like that. But then when you go into practice, that's when you get to have the real chance of practicing it, testing out different materials, which material is really good for which body part, because I use different materials for different body parts. I don't always use the same material for a finger that I use for the thumb, that I use for the wrist, and um, everyone's, uh, what they do for a living plays a role in terms of what I decide to pick um, for the material as well. So I don't think there's anything basic when it comes to making custom fitted orthosis. And I think the fact that you're even out there trying to make them, it is really huge. I think it's really important. It's a skill that um, us occupational therapists have that we do, that we know about, that we have an opportunity to specialize and get even better with. And I think there are some things that are just, um, you just need hands-on experience. Like fundamentally you might know, like fundamentally I might know what to do but then the actual practice of it takes a little time. Uh, so it's about the materials, about how you're handling the person that you're putting it on, because you can practice on a, on a non-injured person versus a post-surgical person, it's completely different. You know, it is completely different, but you'll, do, you'll get there. You'll get there and develop your skills that you need to. Um, and it's really important because I often think, you know, as I'm developing my courses, what really comes first? the orthosis or the foundations of hand therapy. And honestly, um, it's like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg, <laughs> you know? Uh, you need to have both because if you, I mean, and, and it doesn't, you don't have to have everything all the This didn't come like overnight, you know? It came, it comes over time as long as you continue to practice and to practice and to practice. So like if you get a hand patient, you don't know how to splint, well, you might not be able to keep them because they need to go somewhere where they need to splint. Now, sometimes you can 
this has happened before where people are sent somewhere for the splint and then they never come back to you because maybe whoever made that splint convinced them, wow, it's so great there and they just want to stay, you know? So it's important to know how to make these custom fit orthoses so that those patients can come to you and if you need to do anything, you, you can do it, provide this like exceptional service so that they can get better. So, um, you know, I think it's great if you are just trying, get out there and keep practicing um, and um, just, you know, just get better over time. So I had a few um, orthosis ones. So uh, patients who help you to mold it. <laughs> this happens to me all the time. People are the nicest, aren't they? They want to help you all the time. And I'm like, you're going to bust it. I thought my splint. <laughs> I'm going to have to do it again. One of the things that I do is I always tell people, now, I know you're going to want to help me, but don't touch my material. And I give them that look. Don't don't touch my material. <laughs> I don't give them that look. But I'm very nice. I just explain it like, hey, um, I'm going to, this is a plastic material. I'm melting it to mold it to you. And it's going to mold and fit you and only you for exactly the problem that you have. And one of the things I want to do is I want to try and do it one time and one time only, right? That's my little thing. But as you get better, you, you'll be able to say that too. But I tell them, please don't touch it. I know you're going to want to help me. And what I need you to do is not touch it. Don't help me. The only thing that you could do to help me is to relax. That way I don't have to fight you when I'm making this. And that way I can make it better and faster and it's going to fit super comfortable for you. Um, so don't touch my splint material. <laughs> and then when they do, I brush their hand off. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I don't even play around because nobody's got time to waste. So uh, that's how I do it. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better way, but that's how I do it. I just tell them, don't touch my material. Um, once I get to school, then they can touch it. But until then, they can't touch it because then it's going to leave prints and it's going to make it an indent and then it's going to be uncomfortable with, for them. And I don't want it to be uncomfortable for them. So that's, that's what I say. Um, what if you make an orthosis and it fits in the clinic, but then they go home and they get more swollen and it doesn't fit anymore? Well, um, one thing that you could do is you can, well, first of all, I do explain that to people sometimes when you're getting them post-surgical and they're really swollen. So it's better to make it a little bit bigger and then have them kind of shrink down because then you could remold it um, really, really easily without dipping the whole thing in or anything like that. But if they come into you skinny and then they fatten up um, at night or whatever they're doing, one of the things you could do is, for example, if it's a finger, you might use a bandage to thicken it up just a smidge. Don't over thicken it, thicken up just a smidge or use Coban. So the Coban makes that finger a little fatter, a little thicker. And then so you can make that splint fit according to that. And then, um, you know, just take that coband wrap off um, and then fit it to them. It'll be a little bit looser and they can tighten the straps a little bit more. And then that way when they get home, they can um, loosen it up. So that works for the finger, but it might not work for other areas like the thumb, right? So when it comes to the thumb, you just have to figure out where it's a little tight and use that type of technique to fatten up some area so that it's gonna be easy for them to um, take on and take off, right? 
Um, oh my gosh, here's another one. What if the doctor gets upset with you because you made a splint and they actually ordered it? Believe it or not, the doctor might have one idea of a splint in their mind of what they want and they write it down thinking that one, that's the name of it, two, you know exactly what they mean by it, but that's not always the case. So um, I always stand by my splints. As long as you know why you're doing what you're doing, make the appropriate recommendations for why you're doing it, then you've got two legs to stand on. If you are just blindly following orders without knowing exactly what you're doing, that's when someone's gonna get mad at you because I can't tell you over the years how many doctors have written a particular splint. Let's say for example, they meant them spica and they wrote wrist support right? Who gets in trouble? You get in trouble because they needed to protect their thumb and not use their thumb and here you let the thumb go free and the only thing you did was protect the wrist, right? So just you have to understand, um, I tell all my, my therapists, my students and in the classes I create, like really you've got to, uh, you've, you've got to become the problem solver and the decision maker in it so that you do have two legs to stand on when you say this is what I'm recommending and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing right I always I mean whether it be you say it you document it you tell somebody I had somebody say oh make me a dorsal block splint blah 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 and I was like oh well um I think that they need the splint based on X, Y, and Z. And if you can justify it, somebody's gonna say, okay, I agree. And if they don't, you know, you can still say, I recommend X, Y, Z for blah, 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 based on this protocol. And, um, but so-and-so insisted on this and now you're gonna make this. But there has to be a level of communication and buy-in for what you're doing. But I think that, um, you know, someone gets upset at you because they wrote something and you didn't, you know, understand what they meant, they didn't understand what you meant, brush it off, baby. Brush it off and just move on and learn from that lesson. And, um, you know, next time, just, you know, make sure that you understand exactly what's going on and exactly what you need to do regardless of what's written down. Because sometimes things are written down wrong, not because they're done on purpose or anything like that, but because uh, they don't necessarily always know what we know and we don't always necessarily know what they know. As long as you have a clear understanding of what's going on, and then you can go into your books, you know, you can go into your protocols and say, for this particular injury, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z, right? I'm going over tendons with my, um, my, my program and my mentorship program, and we're about to go dive deep into making decisions on when to get started, what to do with flexor tendons, because flexor tendons are one of those things that you can, you can learn about how tendons heal, um, what types of surgeries and stuff like that, and then you have to learn the protocols of all of the protocols, right? But then you have to understand how you change and move, because these are just general guidelines. They're just general guidelines, and you need to then be able to solve a very particular problem whenever they come into you, and you get to become the decision maker about like what happens next um, for these people. So don't worry about it, let it brush off, and then just keep going. What can you do better next time, all right? 
So what's another one? TFCC is painful when you're strengthening. I know sometimes it could be like months after immobilization, um, but if a TFCC or any kind of wrist ligament is painful, you've got to one, work out that pain, and two, don't strengthen when there's pain because you could actually cause more damage, right? So you've got to understand, is it a TFCC? Like what's going on? There's so many different parts of the TFCC. Is it some other ligament that's associated with that TFCC or is it a tendonitis type of issue? So everything about hand therapy is like ruling in and ruling out. And, um, but if they're painful, do not, I would not recommend strengthening. Yeah, not for ligament injuries. Um, okay, last question before I run today is pillar pain. So pillar pain is usually known after carpal tunnel injuries, uh, not injuries, carpal tunnel surgeries. So it tends to be this pain on, on the thinner side and the hypothenar side. And that usually goes away within about three months. So usually what I tell my patients is that you know monitor once you know every month it should be going down a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until it's all gone but it does last a good three months and then it just gets better over time i mean you had surgery there and it does not matter how small that incision is these surgeries they're all like the smallest little holes you can't even see it but they jam some shit up there and they cleared stuff out and they bruised you on the inside so it hurts and it's okay as long as it um goes away over time and then just make sure you're monitoring like some people scar worse than others some people don't get full um range of motion so you got to make sure you're ruling all those things out and you're working on all those things so that over time they should be getting better and better and better and usually by six months it should be gone so um but it does take a lot longer than everyone thinks it's supposed to take you know our bodies do a miracle things to heal itself and get better and stuff like that but everything takes so much time and we are living in a world where we don't want to take any time. We want things delivered to us like Amazon's delivering to us. Shit should be coming in prime. <laughs> you know, 24 hour delivery. It does not work that way. Neither does your education. <laughs> so, you know, relax, take some time, enjoy the nice weather. It's beautiful in Miami, looking outside my window. But I came on a little bit early today because I double booked myself again. I keep doing it. But, oh well, I got some of your questions. I answered some of your questions. And if you have any more questions, you know where to reach me. All you have to do is uh, go to the bio in my, go to the link in my bio and sign up to get our emails. I email stuff every week. Once a week, I email some stuff and I put stuff out on YouTube. Become the critical thinker, problem solver, and decision maker so that you can help any patient that comes your way and skyrocket your career in hand therapy. <laughs>